I am Polly Shore, and this is Best Week Ever. Hey guys, what's up? Before I get into the best and worst week ever, I'm switching it up for you guys. I'm starting it off with the awards and then speed right off into what's happening this week. I wanted to talk about Polly Shore's Instagram post of 29 years ago to this day, this week, Encino Man came out. Now, Encino Man, to me, growing up, was one of the best movies ever. Anything that had to do with Pauly Shore, I wanted to watch. Biodome, Encino Man, the one um, where they call him Crawl. <laughs> um, he is the epitome of 90s, and honestly, he was ahead of his time with his queer fashion. Anyway, Polly Shore posted on that Instagram post of him and Brendan Fraser when they were on the set of Encino Man. He asked his fans, saying that him, Brendan Fraser, and Sean, uh, don't know his last name, I just know him from Lord of the Rings, <laughs> he, all three of them are in to do the sequel. Now, the problem is, apparently, Last year, he approached Disney Plus with the idea of an Encino Man sequel number two, um, and we haven't heard word of it yet, but since it is going to be the 30th anniversary next year, maybe there's some production going on or some talks. Either way, this would be an amazing sequel. I know I talk about reboots and remakes and they suck ass, and they do. But if three of the main characters of a film, like Hocus Pocus, they're doing their sequel, if they're down to do it, why not? Why not do it? I know She's All That, they're doing a He's All That, that with Addison Rae, totally against it. But the fact that Rachel Lee Cook directed it is kind of interesting. The thing that I don't like about the new All That Thing is nobody from the She's All That crew is in it. I mean, I don't know. If you want to bring back a movie from the 90s, you got to pull in the Gen X and the Millennials to watch it because Gen Z don't have any idea who these people are. So I'm just here telling you guys to email Disney+. Plus. I know I have. I am probably the worst when it comes to... <laughs> emailing someone like short story Webster Hall had Portugal the man played in their venue in New York I was stoked I was there with friends obviously everyone in there was smoking a weed and just when I was about to pass the blunt to Alice big huge security guy came asked for my ID crossed two big sharpie marks X's on my hand and kicked me out of the concert all for smoking weed at a Portugal the Man show and I think I only got to like four songs in that concert and those four songs were fucking epic one of the best shows I've ever been to and yes I got kicked out anyways I sent a huge long letter to Portugal the Man saying that they should never ever ever go back to Webster Hall because I got kicked out and a bunch of your fans smoke weed, so this is bullshit. And you know what? They listened because the next year for their tour, they didn't go to Webster Hall anymore. They went to Terminal 5, the best venue in New York City. 
in my opinion, I've seen Black Keys, I've seen Portugal the Man there, just a lot of bands there. And you know what? They let you fucking rave, they let you smoke, and that's how concerts should be. But going back to Encino Man, the sequel, please, please, please send your emails to Disney's Plus and make this happen. So let's go ahead and continue on with our best week ever. Little spoiler alert, it is Mayor of Easttown. So if you haven't watched the final episode, please skim through the first five, six minutes coming up right now because I don't want to spoil it for you. I am going to talk about it and we're going to talk about the finale. So if you haven't seen it, please just skim by through the worst week ever. Before I start talking about Mayor of Easttown, someone, I'll have to credit him, Aaron Jackson. Yes, he's a hilarious gay comedian. He posted on his Instagram story that Lore and Mayor definitely voted for Trump and they definitely rioted the Capitol. Now, I laughed my ass off when I saw that, but after thinking about it, I was like, yeah, fuck these women. They are Trump supporters, aren't they? Anyway, still love the show. And yeah, let's continue on to our Best Week Ever award. For my Best Week Ever this week, it has to go to Mayor of Easttown. One of the best shows ever. It's up there with Sopranos, Breaking Bad, just the amazing writing and cast all together. The community, the accents, generational trauma, everyone's depressing background of their story. It couldn't get any realer of feeling like a local, a townie, this depressing town. You felt it. What I love about HBO Max is always the behind the scenes after episodes, the dedication in their films and their shots. The flow of the story since the first episode is just so damn good. The story of the missing girl, Katie, which ties it to her mom, a longtime friend, to Mare since high school. You feel the tightness of how close everyone is. And you can tell by the bar, the scene at the bar, you can tell that's a staple for their hometown. Kind of like the Cliff Tavern in Clifton, New Jersey. Big shout out right there. But I really hope HBO Max keeps this kind of storytelling in their miniseries. I refuse to watch The Undoing. I still continue to do so. It's not really a diss. I just feel more relatable into the world of Mare than I do with Nicole Kidman crossing a street in a high city town. The character Mare has never been in such a spotlight, anti-hero and all. My thoughts in the end. First, let me tell you my theory before I tell you the thoughts. So I predicted that John killed Aaron and Billy was holding her. And I also knew that Ryan knew about the baby because that scene where his parents announced that they're thinking about uh, adopting DJ. I thought it was kind of weird. Um that they paused and saw Ryan's face. But yeah, um, the whole picture and the diaries with the kids, I felt like that was a distraction from the second to last episode for us to like really not get the story. I gotta say, I was on Mare's side on revealing Ryan. I know I was crying in the scene with Lori saying, you had John, like you didn't have to take my Ryan. Jillian Nicholson deserves all of the awards. 
But to have that secret withheld in the family, you know, Ryan killing Aaron, it, it's going to rot. It's just going to continue the trauma in the family. And Mare going to therapy, you guys, Mare going to therapy, you see a character who doesn't want that for her friend. And uh, the, this show leaves you hating men because everyone can blame everyone in the show. But at the end of the day, this is all John's fault. His actions rippled affect his consequences. I understand Billy's outbreak about John now. All this mess from one man's stupidity. Jean Smart playing Kate Winslet's mother. I've loved Jean Smart since my Garden State days. I don't care. Garden State will forever be my favorite movie. Come at me. Um, I will die on that hill saying that they it's one of my favorite movies. And I hope the ladies from Bad Romance Podcast are not going to come out for me. Anyways, Jean Smart has been on screen in my whole entire lifetime since Homeward Bound, Sweet Home Alabama. She was such a great character in Garden State. Um, one of the best things about DVDs in the past was the they had like a documentary in the Garden State video DVD movie, whatever they're called, where they basically had a documentary of the making of it and I also was so into Garden State that I would listen to the behind the scenes comments while the movie was playing so they had Zach Broff and Natalie Portman talk about the whole entire movie while watching the movie it's pretty great I have it on DVD I'm gonna hold that because it's great footage and I don't think um, Netflix or Hulu, any streaming device can do that besides HBO Max. And um, one of my favorite scenes about Jean Smart going back to like Garden State, she um, is rehearsing the famous morning after kitchen table scene. And I just remember that one scene of them practicing. I was like, this woman is an actor. She's an actress. She can play any character um if you remember garden state she plays the mom who is dating her son's like not even a friend he went to the same school with him please just go back and watch her she's amazing she's starring on the new hbo max series hacks i know it's another week by week show so i won't watch it till towards the end like I did with Mayor of Easttown. It's just better for me. It's better for my nerves, okay, you guys? I can't even believe that I used to watch Breaking Bad week by week because when I was pregnant, I decided to watch Breaking Bad all over again. And I kid you not, I felt like I was going to go into labor at any given moment by the end, by the last two seasons ending each episode. Like, I don't know how I did it. I literally probably suffered a week-long heart attack while watching that series. But yes, bravo to the cast and crew of Easttown. I want Julianne Nichols, like I said, to win all the awards and Kate Whistlet. If you weren't crying over the very last episode, guys, I really don't know what to tell you. For my worst week, I have to give it to Ellie Kemper. Photos resurfaced on Twitter of her being a beauty queen 
unveiled Prophet Queen of Love in 1999. This is a cult organized by racist and elitist. Now, I know a lot of people on Twitter were calling her a KKK princess, but apparently the KKK does not run this organization, but they do participate in it. So that kind of tells you a lot about it. Although everyone is finding out, this has been cited on her Wikipedia page for years. I want to say it's been up on her Wikipedia page, KKK Princess. I remember thinking that must be a joke because, you know, I search everything for Wikipedia. Ellie Kemper played Aaron from The Office, the red-headed freckle-faced mm -hmm. receptionist. And she also was part of the cast all white girl cast except Maya Rudolph. Of course, she marries a white man in that movie. Anyway, she's in that cast as well. She's aware of her privilege. She attended Princeton University and her family are wealthy bankers from St. Louis where the event was held. I do have to point out that she was 19 when she was announced as the princess. And please Google this veiled prophet queen of love event it's creepy it gives me like i don't know do you guys remember true detective like southern cult meeting vibes like that's what it gave me it has this man with this veil kk looking robe costume and i don't know i just gotta point out that she was 19 and i think she's in her 40s late 30s she does have this tv show um the kimmy schmidt i was never into that show i know a lot of people were into that show i just think it's too campy for me i guess i don't know but she apparently plays this character where she escapes from a racist cult <laughs> and um starts a life anew in the world that she didn't know existed so maybe she has relation to that story and that's why she's part of it in that TV show. I do have to point out again, she was 19. She was a baby. She is raised from a very, very privileged family. She probably doesn't know any better. Um, but yeah, the fact that she hasn't come out and said anything is very alarming Maybe if she commented right away about that picture being resurfaced, it can probably smooth some lines out, but it's really looking bad for her this week. So yeah, worst week ever for Ellie Kemper. Naomi Osaka dropped out of the French opening and for good reason. Before dropping out, she announced that she is focusing on her self-care and well-being and opted out on doing media conferences. During the tournament, the French Open fined her $15,000 for not attending her first round post-match. They then threatened to suspend her from future Grand Slams. So, she announced on her social platform, I think it was Instagram, I think all of them actually, Instagram and Twitter, Chanel saying that she will not be partaking into any of the media questionnaires, press, during 
the whole French opening because it's kind of tedious for her. And she has come out and said that mentally it's really been messing with her. Again, this is a teenager, a very young girl, very young woman who has accomplished so much already. And again, because it's been 2020 with its fuckery, she is a woman of color, just like Serena Williams. She has faced a lot of racism when it comes to tennis. And she was always pictured or try, they've always, the media has always tried to portray her as this angry black woman. I don't know how many times I've seen this cartoon that this idiotic cartoonist made. Apparently, he was forced to make this cartoon from his editor or publishing newspaper in the UK, whatever. It's racist. Um, yeah. So she was fine being fined for not attending the media press um, after a game. She was fine being fined. Um, what she wasn't okay with was the threats of suspension, was the threats of her being outed of tennis forever, <laughs> which is crazy because she is just simply stating that she wants to put her mental health first, that she's been having bouts of depression because of things like this and she just needed space and she was going to be gladly given an interview after the whole finals was over but for some reason media or the French Open considered her to be a selfish brat because she wanted to put her well-being first it's disgusting <laughs> how what what these athletes have to go through and I'm pretty sure if Naomi Osaka was a man tennis player who wanted space I want to say um like Ekron if he said that he wanted space from the media press I can tell you right now they will give him that space they wouldn't even bat an eye and I can probably imagine them congratulating him for taking care of himself first Yet here we have a teenager, a young lady, a woman of color, who posted very politely, very considerately about her trauma, about her um, situation that she's going through right now with her mental health being. She didn't even need to give us that, you know? She didn't really need to write that down for us. She did that out of courtesy. And for the French Open to just trash her down, I applaud her for quitting and leaving. I hope this means that she can start her own opening. I know we have a U.S. opening and there's the French opening and everything, but I just really hope this gives a stamp on change. This literally needs to stop. You're harming a young girl's mental health all because what? You want to see her kill it in tennis? No, she can take a break and go back home and chill with her friends like a real teenager, real American teenager does. 
Did you guys hear that Taylor Swift is working alongside David O. Russell, the most abusive film director of Three Kings, I Heart Huckabees, and the list goes on and on. The allegations of David O. Russell of sexual misconduct, he's mostly more famous for films like Joy, American Hustle, and Silver Linings, Playbook, just a little info, it has all Jennifer Lawrence in there. In the end, Jennifer Lawrence had a falling out with the director after a huge fight on set of Joy. Now, if you know David O. Russell, you probably know the infamous video of Lily Tomlin working for I Heart Huckabees where he yells, the director David O. Russell yells at Lily Tomlin, calls her a bitch, the C word, and has a whole child tantrum all caught on tape and for him to call her a bitch while he's having this tantrum throwing paper and just stomping around like it's the most childish thing I've ever seen and I love Lily Tomlin she's an amazing actress she's been in the industry way longer than this man has ever been alive so the new film that he's working on I can't believe he's even part of a film right now because he once worked for Harvey Weinstein Guys, yeah, he worked for Harvey Weinstein, which means he's another sexual predator. This man sexually assaulted his niece. And not only is there proof of his tantrums during filming, but back in 1999, yeah, 1999, I can't believe this guy is still doing work. George Clooney in a Playboy interview, love that for him by the way love that I'm reading a George Clooney 1999 Playboy interview he mentions David's behavior and actions on set after the Harvey Weinstein publications made sure that no other high profile jerk were going to get a free pass anymore so Amazon released a statement that the company will no longer move forward with any of David's projects Allegedly, he abused Amy Adams on the set of American Hustler in 2013, and Christian Bale had to get involved. He told him to stop acting like an asshole. Also, there has been an interview with Amy Adams asking about being on the set with David O. Russell, and she mentioned, I'm paraphrasing, saying that it was very hard for her um, to be on set. It was emotional for her. And she said that she's not Teflon, that Jennifer Lawrence is very Teflon. I had to look up what Teflon means because who the fuck says that word? It just means that <laughs> it's a person who can take criticism and judgment um, without any like hurt or emotion about it. So apparently J-Law, Jennifer Lawrence is resilient and Amy Adams isn't. Which isn't a fucking excuse for your behavior, Mr. David O. Russell. It's not an excuse for you to act like a fucking child. I love that George Clooney, even back in the day before he was even a heartthrob, I gotta say, he was trying to fight back because he was yelling at an assistant director. He was yelling at production assistants. 
through the walkie-talkies to the point that George Clooney got involved and said, hey, why don't you pick someone on your own size? Or if you're going to yell at someone, yell at me. Jesus, you got to read it up. I'll put up the whole interview of George Clooney speaking on this back in 1999. And I have to also add on that Mark Wahlberg works alongside David O. Russell. He's been on Three Kings with him. He's been on I Heart Huckabees with him. So just a little more controversy in the bag for Mark Wahlberg. The new film stars Taylor Swift. She she is actually joining at the end of the wraps of this whole movie. Alongside is Anna Taylor-Joy, um, also Margot Robbie, Robert De Niro, John David Washington, Christian Bale, Zoe Saldana. I'm not surprised these people are working with him because all of these people have worked in the past with complicated directors like Woody Allen and um, that Joss Whedon guy. But I just can't believe this man is working again with high with celebrities. And once again, celebrities are ignoring the fact that this man is a monster. One of the things I love about Kate Winslet, I know I'm going back into Mayor of Easttown, but one of the things I love about Kate Winslet is that she came out and said that working with Woody Allen was very wrong. And she has come out and said that she never wants to work with him. And same thing with Drew Barrymore. You know, look at the interview she did with Dylan Farrell where she apologizes to her because she didn't know the ramifications of the whole case. She was being gaslit. She was basically being told like, oh, don't worry, this case is not a big deal. And when she really read the case, she felt horrible and apologized to Dylan Farrell. So I don't know if Swift, are Swifty fans going to be backing up her project with David O. Russell, knowing that he's um, a sexual harasser. He abuses his actors. Like, what are you doing, Taylor Swift? is it for best week ever i wanted to point out that next week will be our final episode of the season i'll be taking a bit of a break i will be visiting my family back east finally um it hasn't hit me yet about my grandma passing away so i'm all these emotions are gonna come at me when i go visit back home it's been since 2018 since i've been back home So it's crazy. It's been three years. And in those three years, I got pregnant, had my baby (laughs) during a pandemic. And um, yeah, so I'm very excited to go home, see my family, um, have a life for a couple weeks, being a mom 24-7 every day with no help, no anything, just me and my partner trying to do this together. It's been agonizing. So having a month and a half away from this responsibility i know i'll have some responsibility to be but hey i will be able to sleep in i will be able to go out i will be able to have an enjoyable time and not be limited but yes i will be taking this summer break 
Hopefully I will upload some bonuses episodes onto this break. I know we have the Carmen Electra and Dave Navarro till death do us part coming up this summer. So hopefully I can wrap that up with my sister. Also, I will be hanging out with my intellectual high friends, which I'm so excited about because the difference between East Coast and West Coast, East Coast, we can have discussions and argue and literally disagree on things. But at the end, we love each other and we continue our friendship. It's fucking weird. I say this about Roni, Real Housewives of New York. That's why I love them so much because yes, they'll fight and argue, but they fucking move on. They're not holding that grudge for three, five episodes like Beverly Hills. And with that being said, I cannot wait to watch Bo Burnham's Netflix special Inside. So if you have seen Bo Burnham's stand-up, you know that he is a musical guy. He likes to do his stand-up with his piano and music and more. And he's just a very creative person. He directed and wrote a film called Eighth Grader. I want to say it's Eighth Grader. I haven't seen it yet. Literally, it's on my wait list on my Amazon Prime account. I am horrible when it comes to catching up on TV, guys, and movies. Took me forever to see Mare, but like I said, I had to binge it. And I'm watching right now Housewives of New Jersey binging that, so... Yeah, New York, I've been seeing clips here and there, same as Beverly Hills. If you have a problem watching these women and you just want to be in the know like I am, I like to be in the know right now while the episodes are going on, even though I'm going to watch it when they all come out at the same time. Please listen to Watch What Crappens with Ben Mandelkar and Ronnie Karam. They are amazing on recaps. Another one uh, podcast that you should listen to when it comes to Housewife and Bravo recaps is Danny Pellegrino. Everything iconic with Danny Pellegrino. He is amazing. He's such a sweetheart. And I love him on Twitter because he converses with his fans, which I love because like I can talk pop culture with him all day. We can talk Mariah Carey all day. We actually were going back and forth on Twitter talking about Mariah Carey's um, number one hits. My favorite album was her number ones in 1998. It came out. He always asks his guests what's their favorite Mariah Carey song. And honestly, I get so disappointed and I, I get turned off. Like, I don't know. I just end up not liking the guests that he has like um he had one of the girls from glee on on the last episodes if you want to listen to that it's pretty awesome because she spills a tea on leah michelle with the whole glee cast and their rumors highly recommend that episode anyway he asks her what's her favorite mariah carey song (sighs) and here's a disappointment guys her and like everybody else who clearly isn't a mariah carey fan Their answer is always all I want for Christmas. (sighs) Just like Danny Pellegrino, he goes, (sighs) You are not a Mariah Carey fan if your favorite song is all I want for Christmas. I'm sorry. That's a lame, basic answer. If you were to ask me, 
it would be I Still Believe in that album of number one hits. And you know how I know? I'm a fan of Mariah Carey. At least they always be my baby or like, I don't know. There's just so many songs of Mariah Carey, Loverboy. Um, it's inevitable for anyone to answer All I Want for Christmas is my favorite Mariah Carey song. You, sir, are a liar because there's a lot of remixes with the brat and Mariah Carey. That's a great one. A lot of remixes with Mace and Old Dirty Bastard. That's great music. <laughs> Not all I want for Christmas. Like, is it really your favorite song? Maybe on Christmas, but like all year round? Anyway, please check out Danny Pellegrino, Everything Iconic. And I will get back to you guys next week for our final episode. But going back to the Bo Burnham special, please check it out. I can't wait to watch it. He's hilarious. And I have a feeling it's going to be dark. It's going to be funny. And it's going to be relatable because it's basically him in quarantine the first few months. Do you guys remember? I know I've blocked it out. I was basically... <laughs> with a newborn, so it was a different type of pandemic quarantine for me, so um, please reach out and let me know how your quarantine was happening, because I bet you it was better than mine. Anyways, I'll see you guys next week, and thank you for listening to Best Week Ever. Bye.